Hallelujah. Thank you for tuning in to this powerful message by David Entry at Caris Phase 2, our Christ-centered youth services. You can never find Christ outside of the open word of God. May Jesus Christ reveal himself to you as you listen. Ephesians chapter 1. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is, what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance is in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us what who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his, right, at his own right hand in the, heavenlies, in the heavenly places far above principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that, in that which is to come. And has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all, all in all. Amen. So, the scripture opens, starts by saying, blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, an apostle, grace, greetings. Then he says, let's talk about God, the Father, because you can't have true Christian experience without being exposed to the Trinity. Um, the opera trinitatis adestra indivisa sant opera trinitatis adestra indivisa sant the operations of the trinity in the universe or in the world are not divisible so when you see the father working that means the son is there or the spirit is there when you see the son working that means the Father is there, and the Spirit is there. We spoke about how he spoke about the Trinity in his presentation, in his introduction. He spoke about God, spoke about Christ himself, and spoke about how we have been sealed with the Spirit of promise up to the day of redemption. So spoke about the Spirit. So when he finished his greetings, really the opening pages of Ephesians, actually tells, the pages tell us about what God has done for our redemption, what Christ did, and what the Holy Spirit did. Everything there you see um, is without your involvement. Do you understand that? God didn't consult you to decide he'll save you. Some of us, you remember when you were not in church, you thought God is boring. 
Can you imagine if God has attempted to, Jesus Christ has changed, attempted to ask your opinion before he came to die? He wouldn't have come. He wouldn't have come and you wouldn't have been saved. It's after you get saved you realize that, oh, I needed Jesus. Sometimes people say that I've, um, I've found Christ. When you find Christ, that's when you realize that you were the lost one. Yeah. He wasn't lost. You were lost after you find Christ. So when in, in our lost state, there's no way we could have made a decision that would advantage our salvation in God because a dead person cannot save himself. A dead person cannot, you can't expect anything from a dead person but to stink. The contribution a dead person can do to his resurrection is stink, stench, stinking. We were all dead, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1, and you being dead in your transgressions and sins. We were dead, yeah, as if we came, you were, we were dead, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. So we were dead, we were dead, but thanks be to God. He didn't have to consult dead people to choose, to determine whether he has to save them or not. Or, or, or rescue them or not. So even though we were dead, he came to save us. And it was a unilateral decision. A unilateral decision. He did it, not with us. That salvation was just from God. So God did all that. So God planned it. Christ executed it. The Holy Spirit applied it. Now that we are in Christ, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, picks it from there. It says that, um, wherefore, or therefore, where, um, wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you are in. After I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the sins. So never ever think you are saved because I. Anytime you have an explanation based on your I did to be saved, you are actually not saved. No wonder you don't have hallelujah. But when you know that it's not because I was so good, not because of all the good things I've done, but because I put my faith in Jesus as the Son of God, the Christ, the Son of the living God, who died on the cross to save me. When you believe that Jesus is Christ, the, the implication is that he died, the one who died on the cross is your Savior. He is the Son of God. So saying that he's Christ has more implications. Do you understand what I'm saying? The reason why God one of the chief reasons why God formed the Jews is because of the coming Messiah. God made a covenant and a vow to Abraham. God said, Abraham, in you, Genesis chapter 12, when he called him, verse 1, God had told Abraham, depart from your father's house, God, um, get out of your country, your father's house, and from your father." Family and families are to the land I will show you, and I'll watch the next verse. He said, And I'll make you great and bless you and make your name great, and you, uh, uh, and you shall be a blessing. But look at the verse 3. Verse 3 says that 
I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse. And watch this. This is the, this is the key statement there. It's stronger than everything he has said. He said, in you, all the families of the earth, not the Jews. He said, there is something that I'm about to put in you that it will affect every human being alive. When he was calling Abraham, when he called Abraham, he told him why I'm calling you. Sometimes God does that. When he's calling you, he gives you the reason why he's calling you. Sometimes when you get born again, your early days of born again, as you grow, you begin to realize that there's this bed in your heart. You want to do this. You want to win more. You want to, most of the time, it's a reflection of the, the, the nature of your calling. When Saul, Saul in Acts chapter 26, Acts chapter 26 from verse, let's take it from 16, but 17 is better. Actually, I'm going to 18. When he told him, I'll deliver you from the people I'm sending you to. Right? So he said that, rise and stand on your feet. For I've, I've appeared to you for... For, he said it, he said it, I've appeared to you for, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and the things which you have, uh, which I will, I'm yet to reveal to you. So you have seen some things, you are going to be a witness, but there's a lot, a lot more that I'm going to show to you. You are going to be a witness to those things. And then he said, I will deliver you, I will deliver you from the Jews and as, uh, I'll deliver from the J- Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I'm sending you. God has not sent anyone to the Gentiles. The first person God said, I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. Paul said, I will deliver you from them. And then look at the next verse. Verse 18 says that. To open their eyes in order that they would... So he said it. So for them to turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, uh, to receive forgiveness of sins and the inheritance among those who are in favor. Now, in Acts chapter 9, he was sending Ananias to go and pray for Saul in the verse 15. He said, Ananias said in verse 13 that I've heard about, men, about this guy, that he's a killer. God, you are sending me to him? Ananias said, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much, he harmed, uh, how much harm he has done to the saints in Jerusalem. And now you are telling me to go there. And here, he has actually come to Damascus with authority, with, uh, uh, authority from the chief priest to come and bind their arrest. Come and arrest all those who call on your name. And I should hand him myself. He, we know why he came here. But the guy, oh, you met him on the way. You see, that, that's the problem. He didn't know God has met the guy on the way. So he knew that he, there's a guy coming. He's got in authority to come and arrest all of us who are calling on the name of the Lord. Because who, for whoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So, so Satan's problem is not you going to church. His problem is you calling on the name of the Lord. So go and arrest those who are calling on the name. So God, I've heard that he's coming for us who are calling on our, your name. And he has actually authority from the priest to arrest. And you did say, I should go to him. Ananias said, God said, Ananias said to God, no, God, that cannot be. But God said to Ananias, verse 15, God said to Ananias, but the Lord said to him, go, for he's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. So he told him right there. And look at the next verse. It's not finished. For I will show him, I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Yeah. He hasn't started. God said, I'm calling you to suffer for me. <laughs> so God appeared to Abraham and he told Abraham the manifesto. He told him, This is what you're going to do. He said, I'm calling you. And the reason why I appeared to you, Abraham, is so that in you, 
all the families of the, not only the Jewish families, all the families. This is a serious thing. And every time God appeared to Abraham to activate the covenant, this thing comes out. He said, in you shall the seed of the, shall, in your seed shall the earth be blessed. In your seed. So he appeared to him again, I think, in Genesis chapter 17. He told him, walk before me and be perfect. As for me, my covenant is with me and all that. He told him that in your seed shall the earth be blessed. In Genesis chapter 17. And it didn't only end there. When Abraham went to sacrifice Isaac to God, God appeared in Genesis chapter 22 and verse 15. God, verse 14, God said, don't kill him. And then the angel of the Lord says, stop, don't kill him, don't kill him, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. He says that, then the angel of the Lord said, Abraham, now I know you fear God. Genesis chapter 22, verse 16. He says that, by my, then God said, I swear, because you have done this thing and, and you didn't withhold your son from me. You gave his ready really to sacrifice him. God said, I swear. Abraham did something. God decided, started swearing. Angels said, God, take it easy. But they said, no, no, leave me alone. Angels, leave me alone. I swear, Abraham, I swear, this thing you have done, I swear. It's in your Bible. God started swearing. <laughs> not your type of swearing, please. <laughs> not your type of swearing. <laughs> but God made a covenant. He said, ah! Why did he swear? In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13 and 14, particularly verse 12 talks about don't be lazy, but follow those who through faith and patience have obtained their promise. Verse 12, then verse 13 is coming there, the thing is coming. Verse 13, he says that for God, when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater. <gasps> you see that? God wanted to, how many of you most of you are too young. You have not even rented a house before. But if you are going to, let's say, rent a house or something, sometimes they need a guarantor. A guarantor. Okay. Can you be a guarantor? Can someone be a guarantor for you and the person doesn't have status? A guarantor must have sub substance that if you fail, they can use their stand substance to back for you. So those days when we used to use check to pay things, you can sign a bank guaranteed check. So your card, normally you see, now they don't do it because really we don't use checks. But the bank can say, if you write, let's say you are going to buy um, a shirt, all right, or a top from Next, and you want to pay. Those days you can pay with a check. But what if the check bounces? They won't accept it until they see a card, you have a card, and the bank guarantee, check guarantee card. In other words, the bank prints is like, um, uh, what's the name, hologram, on, at the back of the card, and it's usually they will say 100 pounds or 1,000 pounds, depending on your level. The bank said, this one, we are, we are familiar with her transactions, so if she can, she can write a check up to 100 pounds, if it is 101, we can't guarantee that. So it's like overdraft. Anything above 100 pounds. So the, uh, the bank guarantees or check guarantees is depending on your financial status. So the bank can say, okay, this person, if he writes a check for some people, there are people even in this country now who can write a check for 1 million and the bank will say, yeah, let's go. 
If he doesn't pay, we'll pay. We can't buy because we don't know him. He's a big guy. He has money. He has assets. So why would the bank back it? Because the bank is wealthy. The bank is more powerful. So if you are going to get a guarantor or someone to use their reputation to secure the deal you want to go into, and the person can't trust you, they need someone who is stronger and bigger, who has more to lose if they back you and you don't do it. So God, to, if he, God wanted to show Abraham that, listen, I will not fail you. And the only way, the only way human beings understand contracts is when you append your signature. Without your signature, the contract is not valid. You need to put your signature there. Without you signing, without your endorsement. And so in those days, they have, they have the seal of the king. When you have the seal of the king, it means that this thing is approved. There are a lot of, when you buy a phone, they'll tell you if the seal is broken, don't, don't accept it. So the seal shows that they have, you have the backing. You have the backing of the manufacturer that this is authentic. In the same way, God too, because that's the language we understand as human beings. If I tell you that in the next 10 years, in the next 50, uh, 17 years or 50 years, you, God said, I'm going to make you a prime minister. You are thinking, how can he do it? 50 years, will he even be alive? So now God has to really find a way to convince you. That's, how, that's human, human beings. We don't know what, is going, what can happen. So we need assurance. So God says that because human beings only understand the language of assurance, God just didn't want to say, Abraham, I'll bless you. If God says, I'll bless you, it's valid enough. But let me show you something. When God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no, but did he have to swear? Because, he could swear? because if you are swearing, if you are having guarantee, the person must be greater. But who is greater than God? God is the most high. Most high means there's no one higher. There's nothing higher than God. There's nothing, in fact, he's greater than the word great. There's no words human beings can use to capture his greatness. But so, because there's no one greater than God, but if you are guaranteeing, you need someone greater. But unfortunately, there's no one greater than God. So because there's no one, God had to now use himself to back his word. Ah! He had, Bible said, he swore, he said, by myself, I swear. <laughs> it says that he swore by himself. He swore. But why did he have to swear? You still haven't told us. Why did he have to swear? It's in the text. Look at the next verse. He says that, saying, surely, surely, blessing I'll bless you, multiplying I'll multiply you. Look at this. Go to the next verse, verse 15. So that after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Now, look at it. It's going to get interesting. It's about to explain why God swore. For men indeed swear by the greater. And watch this. An oath for confirmation is for them an end of all disputes. I know you don't understand that. We are, have, you, have, have they given you the contract? They said they want to give you a contract. Yeah, they're giving me the contract. Where's any document? No document. But once you show the document with the signature, you're at, at, at peace. At, put it on the screen again. So it says that the end of dispute, oath is, uh, uh, an oath is for confirmation uh, so an oath for confirmation is for 
them an end of all. Once someone gives an oath of confirmation, there's no dispute because it's, it's, there's a proof that he's committed himself. That's man's language. Men understand the language of contracts, signing, agreements. That thing I don't like when you are doing an app or something. I, for every time, scroll down and say, agree. Uh, who reads all these things? Who wants to read this thing before I agree? There's small prints, plenty. What I need is the phone. Why would I? I just, anyway, agree. Because if you don't agree, they won't let you in. Yes, agree. So that's the language of human beings. So God too said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. But Abraham said, is there any agreement? He didn't have to say it, but God knows that that's how men think. So God also wanted to make, now put it back on the screen. Let's go back to that text. I have a long journey to go back to Ephesians, you know. For men in this world, oh, give us the other versions that we're using. Okay, let's move to um, uh, the New Living Translation to make it faster for us. New Living Translation. Okay, it says that now when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, uh, and without any question, that oath is binding. Once someone is greater, someone is backing it. The oath is binding. All right. Now, the next verse. The next verse. The next verse says that, ah, do you see that? This thing doesn't make sense. That does, you might not understand. Let's go to NIV. NIV. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his promise very clear to those who are heretic getting the promise, he confirmed it with an oath. He wants to know that this thing I've said, it doesn't change. But God, how did, okay, I'm going to, the way human beings do, I'm going to confirm it with an oath. So actually, God has given two things. He gave the promise, which will not change, and now he added an oath. Yeah. Hmm. Are you getting it? Now, give her the, is it New Living Translation? Let's see the New Living Translation. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So it wasn't for God, but it was for the beneficiaries. God wanted you, Abba Shaddai. God, God wanted you to be perfectly sure that God would not change his mind. So what did he do? Because of that, he also had to add an oath. Because the promise is sure enough. Now he's added an oath. Why did he, why did he, have, why did he have to add an oath? Why did, he, why did he? Just to make you sure. Um, message. When God wanted to guarantee his promise, he gave his word. A rock solid guarantee. So now you understand why God said, Abraham, I swear! Let's go back to the NIV. Let me show you the next verse. The verse, this is more serious. Because I had to take my time to explain the verse 13, 14, 15. I asked, you won't understand this. Wait, take it off the screen. Why does God swear? Why would God swear an oath? So, so you'll be sure that what he has said, he will do it. And we just read it. In fact, the New Living Translation in the verse, verse 16 again, just, just for people to see. Now, people take an oath. Uh, uh, now, when people, is this verse 16? 17, yeah. God also bound himself with an oath. Why? So that those who receive the promise, okay, 
could be perfectly sure. So that's why God would um, swear an oath. Why would God swear an oath? So that you who receive the promise will be perfectly sure. Okay. So what you receive what? The promise. So he gives you the promise. The promise is unbreakable. I mean, why would God promise you and break it? Why would he? So actually, he didn't really need to swear as well. So why would he swear? So that, that's the language you understand. So now you've got, buy one, get two free. Yeah. Or get one free. So buy one, get one free. You bought one, but you got two. How? Because you have the promise and an oath. The promise itself is sure. You can work God's promise. Let alone, he has added an oath. So look, look at the verse 18. Look at the verse 18. Um, 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 the New King James. God did so, okay, let's stay there. God did, uh, did this so that by two unchangeable things, in which it is impossible. What are the two unchangeable things? The promise. You got it. Clap for yourself. You see, so so by his promise can't. It's not changeable. His oath is not changeable. But God did this so that by two unchangeable things, those of us, oh my goodness. So he said, in which these things is not possible for God to lie in. He did this so that those of us who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. So when you are doing God, you know that you will never be let down. He gave this. So now back to Abraham, and I told you, you made me, I told you, you make me go far. Hebrews. That's why God will swear an oath. Why? To make you the beneficiary of his promise. Very sure. So God comes to Abraham, and he says, Abraham, Genesis chapter 22, I swear, because you have done this thing, Genesis 22 to 15, I swear, by myself. Do you see why? Why is it by myself? You got it. You understand scripture now. So, see, if you are not taught, you will not even know that that means something. He said, by myself, I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. But how about Ishmael? He's not a son God recognized. So he said, your only son. But we had Ishmael too. Oh, so he said, the Bible is contradicting itself. It's just you don't understand God's language. You have not withheld your only son from me. Look at the next verse. Verse 17. Blessing, I'll bless you. Multiply, I'll bless. I'll multiply your descendants as the stars of the of heaven. And as the sun, that's where we have the Jews. As the sun of the shore. And your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. What does the next verse say? Ah, let's read it together. Read it again. One more time. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. In your seed. That means that somebody is going to come from you. Now you are getting it. That's why Jesus could not be non-Jew. Because when God was telling him, God called Abraham because he had his eye on all of us. But you are not Jewish. You are not Jewish. How can, we, how can you become... Uh, uh, one of God's chosen people. Don't worry. There's somebody coming from the chosen people who opened the door for everybody to be part of it. Are are you getting me? He came to open the door so that we, so in Galatians, Galatians that said that those, uh, Galatians chapter 3, verse uh, 7 and 8, and then chapter 
4, verse 28 or so. But chapter 3, verse, verse 7 and 8, it says that those of us who have faith, we are blessed with Abraham. So when God was blessing Abraham, he said, therefore, know that only those who are of faith are the sons of Abraham. So if you are not, this Abraham thing is a very important thing so long as the people God calls his own are concerned. To the extent that the Jews trace their origin to Abraham. Watch this. However, when God was calling Abraham, it wasn't only the Jews that were on his mind. He was calling him. That's why he called him at the time when there was no Torah. There was no law to obey. The Jews obeyed the Lord. There was no law to obey. There was no even Isaac. He called him at the time. The Bible says that Abraham believed. Why would that happen? Can I take you a little deeper? In Galatians, in Galatians chapter 7, you just read it. On the, chapter 3, sorry, verse 7. You just read it, but you haven't realized where he was going. When you read the verse, let's go to verse 6, and then we jump to the verse 8. Verse 6, verse 6 says that, just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. You cannot interact with God if you are not righteous. And so, when they gave the law of Moses, they knew that the law was a means to be righteous for the Jews. So if you are a Jew, you want to work with God, you better obey the law. So the law was given for righteousness. But before the law was given to determine who can be righteous, somebody had already been righteous before God without law. His name is Abraham. So it was accounted to him, just believing in God was accounted to him for righteousness. Why? Now look at the next verse. That's where we are going. Therefore, know that it is only those who are of faith that are actually, if you want to talk about the sons of Abraham, it's those who are walking by faith, they are actually the sons of Abraham. But that's not all the story. It's even getting more exciting. Look at verse 8. The scriptures foreseeing that God will justify the Gentiles by faith. What is the Gentiles are those who are not part of the Jewish community. And in those days, if you are not a Jew, you can't relate with God. It's only the Jewish community. But God said in Abraham, it's not only the Jews, but all the earth. I had the earth in mind. And Abraham believed. And Abraham's faith made him a man of righteousness. And God said, in, in you shall the, all the families of the earth be blessed. So he said, because God, the scripture, foreseeing that God will justify you and I by faith, preach the gospel to Abraham. The gospel, the gospel was preached to Abraham? Huh? What do you mean by that? The gospel was, who preached it to Abraham? God himself. And when Abraham, without the law, without the Ten Commandments, he came into contact with the gospel and he believed it. And it was accounted to him. So preach the gospel. And what was the gospel? What was the gospel? Ah, what was the gospel? What was the gospel? Ah, Jesus. It is there. What was the gospel? Can't you see that? I told you, 
when he appeared to Abraham, he said, in you. It was God's preaching of the gospel. But what is this in you about? That in you was talking about Jesus. The gospel is about Jesus. That gospel is about Jesus. And he said, Abraham, in you, the Messiah is coming. The Christ is coming. In you, the earth. And Abraham said, I'm going to produce the Christ. I believe it. I believe it. And God said, you are righteous. Shout yes. He said, in you, Kadaba Shakatarababa. God preached the gospel to Abraham. And the gospel that was preached, the, what is the gospel? The news about Jesus Christ himself and his works. And Abraham was told, there is a Messiah coming. And that Messiah is going to be traceable to you. In John chapter 8, verse 56. 54 downwards. Jesus said, Huh? Your dad? You guys are making noise. Abraham is our father. Verse 39. John chapter 8, verse 39. Your father, 39. They answered, Abraham is our father. Did you see that? Abraham is, Jesus said, if Abraham was father, you do the works of Abraham. He said, Abraham did not seek to kill. Let's, let's read it through. Let's read it through. Verse 40. But now you seek to kill me. A man who has told you the truth which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. Abraham actually heard about me and believed it. Look at the next verse. You do the deeds of your father. <laughs> they said, they, 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 then they said to him, we were not born of fornication. Chai, that's a serious one, but let's move on. <laughs> we are not born, of, and, and they said we have, we have one father, God. The next verse. Jesus answered and said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceed from, I, I proceed forth and come from God, nor have I come for, uh, of myself, but he sent me. The next verse. Why don't you understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are, of the, uh, you are of your father, the devil. This is, this is serious. You look at Jewish audience and you tell them they are of their father, the devil. Can I explain why? He was talking to a human nature. The human nature was contaminated by the devil. So when you operate from, as for me, this is my opinion, devil is about to talk now. He said, you are of your father, the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning and does, that, uh, uh, and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. It looks like he is a, he's the main person behind a lot of British behavior. <laughs> he's the father of lies. Look at the next verse. I like it when I read John chapter 8. Because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convict me of sin? And if I tell you the truth, why do you not believe me? Did you see that? Did you see that? He said, my moral behavior should tell you you should believe me. Because if I have not done this, I won't do this, I won't do this. That means that this is, if I have been clean in all this, that should tell you that this guy is genuinely clean. Genuinely clean. He said, you can't convict, convict me of sin. Why are you not believing me? 
Look at the next verse. He who is of God heareth God's word. Therefore, you do not hear, you, you do not hear because you are not of God. Let's quickly, let's move on, let's move on. Uh, then the Jews said to him, did we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan, you have a demon? <laughs> Jesus said, I honor my father, so I don't have a devil. And let's go to the next verse. And I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Most assuredly, I say unto you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Hey, that's strong. If you have God in you, sometimes the things you say are so strong that people struggle to get, it, get, get their head around it. So he says that this is a Jewish boy telling Jewish community that if you keep my word, he shall never see death. Then the Jews said, now we know that thou hast a devil. Now you have a devil. First they said you have a demon. Why? I said, now we know you have a devil. <laughs> Why did they say that? They said, Abraham is dead. And the prophets. And you are saying, if anyone keeps your saying, he shall not taste death. Are you greater than Abraham? You see where this thing is going. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who is dead? The prophets who are dead? Who do you make yourself out to be? Then he told them, Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father who honors me, of whom you say he is your God. The one you say is your God is the one honoring me. How can, how can the pastor wear such nice suits? You have a problem? You have a problem? And you believe that you are a Christian? You believe you have God? The God you are worshiping, he's the one honoring you. You can keep your offering. It won't affect us. I will not give. I will not give money. We actually didn't know you were coming. And number two, we have not budgeted with your offering. We don't need your offering. You need the grounds to put your offering. I don't need your seed. I don't need your seed. When God honors you, Jesus said, if these ones keep quiet, the stones shall even rise up to praise God. Jesus said, anyway, let's go back to that. He said, God is the one who's honoring me. The one you say is your father. He's the one who honors you. I'm not honoring myself. He is honoring me. Now look at the next verse, verse 50. Yet you have, you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Whoa, this, this, the pressure is getting... What, what is this? Then Jesus said, you are talking about Abraham. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my days. And guess what? He saw it. This poses a bigger challenge. If you are a little bit intelligent, 
you smell something foul here. How can Jesus talk about Abraham's sin his days? It's not logical. Abraham is dead many years ago. This is a 33-year-old man telling us that Abraham, wait, wait, just put it verse 56. Telling us, the people are not stupid. You think we are stupid? You think we are stupid? You, most of you preachers, you think we are stupid? Most of you, it's just that you lack revelation. It's not that you are stupid. You lack insight. You lack revelation. We speak on a frequency you are not. So you don't know that there are some other things are true. <laughs> right now, there are so many radio waves in this building. If you have the right frequency and the right apparatus, you'll, be, you, you'll hear what the police is communicating right now. You can hear the um, FM, 91.8 FM right now. It depends on the apparatus you are using. But the fact that you can't catch, capture it, receive it, doesn't mean it doesn't exist. There are things existing in the realm you don't know. There's another realm you are not aware of. Oh, come on, I feel like preaching. So he said, Jesus said, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He said, you have seen it. And he saw it. He was, I can't wait to see this. I can't wait to see this. Abraham was not an ordinary man. He lived many years back. That's why you cannot be a son of God, a child in faith without being traceable to Abraham. Why? Because he was the first to see this Messiah thing. So he said, Abraham rejoiced to see my, and so he was glad. And the people said, excuse me, you are not yet 50. Is that, they said, you are not yet 50 years old, and you have seen Abraham. Meanwhile, he didn't say I saw him. He said, Abraham saw my days. But if you say Abraham saw my days, it starts to imply that you have seen him because of your days. But not necessarily, because the human Jesus was not around in the time of Abraham. But the time of Abraham, the spirit of the Christ. <laughs> so he said, you are not 50 years old, and you say you have seen Abraham, and Jesus dropped the biggest bombshell. Ah, he said, very assuredly I say unto you, before Abraham, I am. Somebody said hallelujah. He said, before Abraham, I am. You see, I am his capital. That means he used the name of God. So the title no one can use for himself. Okay, the title no one can use to, oh, it's like I'm talking to you and I, I'm telling you that before Prince, uh, Prince William was born, His Majesty, me, His Majesty. What, what do you mean? What do you mean? You, now you are saying that you are the king of England? A king of, what? I'm, I'm, I'm His Majesty. Now that should only be, there's only one person in this country that can be, that can have that title. And now you are telling us that you are his majesty? Wow. How many of you know if you were there, you would not accept this nonsense? <laughs> Naturally speaking, nobody should accept this nonsense. Especially if you are well taught theologically. You have understand. This is, this is, no, this is bonkers. It's going too far now. 
We said you have a, de- a, a, a demon. Then we said you have a devil. But now you have taken these two. Look at what they, what, after he said that, look at what happened. Look at what happened. The next verse. Then they pick up stones. He said, we have to kill you. Jesus quickly hid himself. <laughs> Jesus had to hide and then sneak away. He had to sneak away because they were going to kill him. They were going to kill him. Yeah, and they are good at throwing stones. But you understand why they, they have an appetite to kill him? Because the things he was saying was just simply very offensive and unacceptable. However, it was the plain godly truth. Yeah. Now, so when we say Abraham, the reason why Abraham had to see Jesus' days because he was supposed to be the origin of the Jewish society. But the Jewish community, what was the usefulness of the Jewish community? First of all, God needed a people, and he would commit his word to. Because no one had a relationship with the triune God. No human being, no group of people, no community had a relationship with the God of heaven. None. But God wanted to keep himself relevant on earth until the time where all nations can now come to him. Because of sin, no human being can come to God. But God had to keep himself alive or the knowledge of God around on earth. Even if God was going to come as a human being, he must prepare the grounds for him to come. Because he can't just come and fall into this dirty community. So he had to sanctify a community. That is why he called Abraham. And when he called Abraham, he actually showed him what goes beyond the Jews. He showed him something. He said, in you shall, that's the gospel now, in you shall all the earth be blessed. And Abraham believed it. And the Bible said, because you have believed that Messiah is the one to do the job, you are righteous. Now, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible says that the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, then the son of Watch this. Why David before Abraham? Because Abraham comes before David. Abraham was the main guy. Now look at verse 2. He starts the genealogy proper. He said, Abraham begat. So it starts with Abraham. So then, why didn't he say the son of Abraham who came through David? He said, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And so one, to be the Messiah, you have to have this unique credentials of being a child or a son of Abraham. But not only Abraham, you also have to be a son of David. Abraham, why Abraham? Because of all that I've explained, that in you shall the earth, so the person must come for you. But why David? David desired to build God a house. Oh, And that was the assignment of only one man. That man must be a supernatural man. Because no human being can build a house for God. It must be God man who can build the house for God amongst men. So when David attempted and it was genuinely in his heart to do, God said, David, you want to build me a house? All right, I'm going to commit myself to you. That I have a plan to build a house. You can't build it. But the one who is going to build it must be your son. Now, watch this. The Jews understood it. 
they knew he's talking about the Messiah. Yeah. So back to Matthew. When Jesus asked them, Matthew chapter 22, verse 41, the Messiah, whose son do you say he is? Are you learning something at all? What do you think of the Christ? The same as Christ, the same as Messiah. Christ is the Greek version, Christos. So Christos is the Greek for Christ. They translated it from Greek. So it's Christ. In the, 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 the Hebrew, real Hebrew word for Christ is Mashiach, which was sometimes translated Messiah. That's, so, so it's like transliteration. Messiah, which is Mashiach. So uh, Yeshua HaMashiach. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Yeshua. Yeshua is Jesus. HaMashiach is the Messiah. The Messiah. So now, so it says that who, do, ah, okay, the, the NIV used the word Messiah. What do you think about the Christ? Whose son? This is a serious question. What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is it? And everybody knows. If you are Jewish and you are exposed to the oracles of God, you know God promised King David that your son is going to be the Messiah. And that's because of that, the throne shall never depart from your heart. This Messiah is going to be the deliverer. The Messiah is going to save everybody. The Messiah is going to deliver us from the hand of our enemy. The Messiah is going to be like Joshua. He's supposed to be called Jesus. Actually, he's supposed to be called Joshua. Joshua is the same as Jesus. The, Greek word, the Hebrew word for Joshua is Yeshua. The Hebrew word for Jesus is Yeshua. Okay, so Joshua is going to be... Joshua, what did Joshua do in the Bible? He brought the people of God into the promised land. And what did Moses, what did Moses do in the Bible? Moses brought them out of the house of bondage, and Joshua brought them into the promised land. Moses told them, God is going to raise a prophet like myself. In other words, the prophet who is going to bring you out, but it's not just going to bring you out. The Messiah who is going to be a prophet is also like Joshua, is going to bring you in. So Jesus Christ, all the Jews knew. And guess what? The time Jesus was born, they were under the Roman occupation. So all of them were waiting. This is the time Messiah is going to come. This is the time. So around the time of Jesus, there was a high anticipation for the arrival of the Messiah. God has built, built the crescendo in Galatians chapter 4 verse 4. When the time, fullness of time has come. When the fullness of time has gone. God, so, so, listen, in John chapter 1, Verse 44 and 45. Nathaniel and these guys, Philip said to Andrew, come. Verse 45, look at 45. That's what I'm looking for. 45. Philip found Nathaniel and he said, We have found him of whom Moses ah, in the law and, and, and also the prophet wrote. Jesus of Nazareth. Now, when you say we have found the one Moses and the law wrote, Moses wrote about the law, they are trying to imply that we have found the Christ. And now, who is the Christ? He said, a guy called Jesus. Which of them? The one of Nazareth. He said, ah, if you are going to have a, the next king of England, why would you say that is Kayode uh, 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 from Peckham? <laughs> How can Kayode from Peckham be the next king of England? <laughs> so he says that, can anything good come from Nazareth? He said, oh God, come and see. So, now, watch this. Why did I quote this scripture? Around the time of Jesus, there was already a high anticipation of the arrival of the Messiah. What the things that have, is that the times was showing that this is the time the Messiah was coming. And not only that, number two, the Roman occupation had made the Jews very tired. So now, can I take you a little bit further? Because my, now, now, 
in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, after the resurrection, when he has assembled with his, his disciples, can you imagine what they asked him? Because now they are convinced that this is the Christ. Look at them. They asked him a political question because they thought that Christ is supposed to come and do a political job. That's why when he told Jesus, Peter that he's going to die, he said, God forbid. The Christ, how can the Christ die? The Christ is not supposed to die. I mean, that's why when the Christ died, they were all confused. When he resurrected on the road to Emmaus, in Luke chapter 24, verse 24, 25, they were discussing about how they've killed the Christ. We thought, in fact, they said, we thought it would be him who is going to deliver us. They, they said it. They said, he said, are you a stranger? Luke chapter 24, verse 18, that was. He said, what are you talking about, you guys? And he says that, are you a stranger? Don't you know what the things that have been happening in these days? He said, oh, what do you behave like this? He said, talk to me. Tell me, what things? He said, oh, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and the word, uh, did and work, word before God and all the people. Now look at it. Look at the verse 20. And how the chief priests and the rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. Let's go. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to We thought that you were going, he was not going to do that. But look at, and when they saw or said all that, look at verse 20, 24. Verse 24. Um, 24 said, okay, let's go to verse 25. Uh, I, I want to quickly, verse 25. He said, oh, foolish. Watch this. Foolish and slow of have to believe all the prophets have spoken. Why is it foolish and slow of have? Look at the next verse. The Christ ought not the Messiah to have suffered. No, 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 no. We don't have a version of a suffering Messiah. Because they didn't read the scriptures well. If they read the scriptures well, they knew the Messiah was a redeemer. Is he not a redeemer to us? Is he not a deliverer? He's a deliverer. But they didn't read the scriptures well. Their eyes were blind. The veil covered their faces as they read it. They couldn't see the scriptures. So Jesus said, you are slow of heart. Ought not the Messiah to have suffered in all, all these things and to have entered his glory? This was the part, the work of the Messiah. So, when, if you are a Messiah, the term Messiah, the term Christ, or the word Christ, is loaded with significance. Because it cannot be found in one human being. Normal human being is going to be a son of David, a son of Abraham, is going to be born by a virgin. Who gets born by a virgin? He's going to be. He's going to deliver us from the hands of the devil. He's going to die for our sins. He's going to resurrect from the third day. He will sit at the right hand of the Father. He will teach the word of God. He will heal the sick. He will cause the blind to see. Blind men don't see. No one, gets, no one recovers from blindness from the days of old. Jesus, blind will see. He preach the acceptable year of the Lord. The Spirit of God will be upon him without measure. He will live in Nazareth. He will be born in Bethlehem. Who is this guy then? It's a very complicated figure. But what the Jews didn't know much is that, do you remember when he was born in Bethlehem? Herod called the wise, uh, wise man king. We are looking for him who has been born. Luke chapter, no, Matthew chapter 2. We are looking for the king verse, from verse 6, 3, 4, four 5, 6 there. He said, we are looking for the one who has been born. He said, we have come to, invest, I think, Bible says in verse 5 or so, all Jerusalem was troubled. What is this guy talking about? A king has been born? The Messiah is not only supposed to be a deliverer, he's supposed to be a king. 
He's supposed to be a high priest. He's supposed to be a prophet. Who is this guy? Everything of God finds an expression in him. It's a big, it's a big role. Herod called. So they said that Jerusalem was troubled. Why? Because then Herod called the, um, the scribes, the experts. He called them. He gathered all the chief priests and the scribes and the people together. He inquired of them, where, what, do you see the, the question? He said, the Christ. Where the Christ was to be born. And then they went and researched and they found out, it's there. Look at it. So they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, that it is written by the prophet. So they knew it has been written. So that's why Jesus was born in Bethlehem. So but the wise men came to Jerusalem. They came to the, where the kings, the palace was. But the guy is born in Bethlehem. So they, they had to go to look for him in Bethlehem. So what I'm trying to say is, it is already documented about what Christ was going to do. Now watch this. Watch this. He was dealing with authorities of scripture. And he asked them a question. Matthew chapter 22 verse 41. The Christ. Oh, that's a big title. The Christ. Whose son do you say he is? But every Jewish person knows that he's the son of David. He's the son of David. So they didn't have to think about it. Said, yes, he's the son of David. It's obvious. What trick? You think you can trick us? He's the son of David. They said, okay, a follow-on question. He said, how does David in the spirit call him Lord? Saying, my Lord said to my Lord. David spoke about Jesus when God was saying to Jesus, sit at my right hand. So they knew David had said this. So Jesus asked a question. If he's supposed to be the son of David, you won't call your son daddy. In their society, it was unheard of. Am I preaching at all? In their society, it was unheard of. So Jesus said, okay, if you say David is the son of David, that's the question. How come David calls him my Lord? Because no father calls his son my Lord. It doesn't matter how big the man is, he's still my son. Do you know what? They got confused. They said, ah, ah, I never thought of that. Watch this. Go back. Go to the test. He said, and no one was able to answer him a word. And from that day, no one dared to ask him any questions. That was the last question he asked them to silence them. You all keep asking me questions. Who are you? Keep asking me questions. Someone has done it. What do you think? I'll ask you one question. And the question was about the Messiah, about the Christ. Whose son? Is he the son of David? Oh, yes. But it's a conundrum then. But they didn't know that the Messiah is supposed to be a son of David and the Lord of David. He's the only one who is the root of David and yet the fruit. Revelation 22, verse 16. He is the fruit. Oh, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify of these things. I am the root of David, and not only the root, the fruit offspring. I sprang off David, and yet I produced David. So, why did I take you to this text? The Messiah, whose son is it? Because when you say Jesus is the Christ, 
it's a very complicated thing you have said. So he says that you are not saved unless you believe Jesus. So when he was with his disciples in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 said, who do men say I am? Then verse 15, he asked them, and who do you say I am? Then verse 16, Peter said, watch this, watch this, this is where the secret comes in. Peter, watch this, the Pharisees, the scribes, the high priests, and the leaders, they knew that the Christ is supposed to be the son of David, but they never knew that the Christ is supposed to be the son of God. That's where Islam gets it wrong. That's where, that's where Jehovah, oh, that's where Jehovah's Witness gets it wrong. That's why all of them get it wrong. <laughs> they get it wrong. They get it wrong because the Christ is actually the son of God and the son of David. The son of David, that means he's a human being. The son of God, that means he's a supernatural being. He's a super, in the beginning, was the word. Ah, yeah, that's the son of God. That's why he used to call himself the son of man. He was called the son of man and he was called the son of God. So, so when he said, who do men say? Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus, he said, that's it. That's what it takes. Blessed are you for flesh and blood. First John chapter five, verse one. That's where we started. I've not gotten back to Ephesians. First John chapter five, verse one. He says that whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born again. Now, now, did you realize that that is a serious statement? That's why I said that nobody can be a Muslim and be a child of God. On the grounds of this text. So that statement I made, some people go, no, no, on the grounds of the scripture. If you're a Christian and you don't believe in this, you are not a Christian. What makes you think you're a Christian? This makes me think I'm a Christian. This statement. I believe in, in John chapter 20, verse 29 and verse 30. John chapter 20. Let's go to verse 30. 30 and verse 31. It says, truly Jesus did many signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. Verse 31. But these are written that you, you believe. That what? Don't tell me I believe in God. It doesn't mean anything. I'm not an atheist. It still doesn't mean anything. Heaven doesn't recognize it. What heaven recognizes is I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's where Christianity is as different and far apart from Islam. Different. I believe in Christ. I believe in Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God. Thank you for choosing to listen to this message by David Entry. We hope you were blessed by it. You can connect with David Entry on all relevant social media platforms, including TikTok and Threads. There's also many more messages to listen to from David Entry. 
on all relevant streaming platforms and on the Carish Church app. Be blessed.